This is Matthew Hester, Senior Pastor at Dominion Church. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Dominion Church podcast experience. Our podcast aims to deliver truth from God's Word concerning His kingdom and your righteous identity as His beloved child. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and do share it with a friend. We pray that you are blessed, challenged, and changed by what you're about to hear. Thank you for joining us here at Dominion Church. I'm so glad that you're a part of what we're doing. If you are joining us on Facebook, go ahead and like and share this. Perhaps you're watching on our YouTube channel at Dominion Church SC. Like and share this. Turn on notifications so you can get a rec- you can get a notification when we have a new video. Or maybe you're listening on our podcast, the Dominion Church Podcast Experience. The point is you're here with us, and we are so grateful. Do me a favor. Come be a part of one of our corporate gatherings. We meet Sundays, 1 o'clock p.m. at the historic Taylor Mill, and we would just love for you to come. We'll minister to you personally. Just come and be a part of this environment. We believe we'd be a great fit for you. I want to share a couple things at the start of this year. If you haven't had a chance to, go ahead and watch the video from last Sunday. Last Sunday was a live streaming video. We didn't actually have our corporate gathering, but I shared some things of what I'm hearing from the Spirit for 2023. And it's interesting, I've actually started seeing this theme pop up with several different voices, which uh, is always great. That's great to get a confirmation uh, that we're hearing some of the same things and we haven't communicated. We're not sharing notes. But what I heard from the Lord was 2023 is going to be the year of fruitfulness, the year of fruitfulness. And in the message last Sunday, I just looked at when Holy Spirit comes, he reveals himself uh, in in these two different subsets, if you will. So the primary manifestation of Holy Spirit is righteousness, peace, and joy. Come on, we know that he guides us into all truth. So that would be the pinnacle of Holy Spirit's um, function as the indwelling one. But then he also brings gifts, which we love. We all love a good gift, right? But what we don't preach often enough about is the fruit of the Spirit, and that's really what I'm hearing from the Lord. It's time for the church to begin to bear fruit. It's time for fruitfulness. And the reason we tend to shy away from fruitfulness is fruitfulness is not publicly celebrated. It is not platform-based. Typically, fruitfulness is, is work done in secret. It's hard work. It's consistent work. Come on, when you plant seed, you nurture it, you nourish it. Now, it's interesting, though. Everyone will show up when there's fruit hanging on the branches. But rarely can you get someone to come and dig a hole with you to start the process. And then we also looked at where Jesus begins to talk about that he's the true vine, we're the branches, right? And so our, all of our source of fruitfulness ultimately comes from him. I love what Flora was saying to me this, this morning. She said, when we realize it's all by grace, all of it, you, you, you no more can make fruit pop out than a tree makes fruit pop out. What we can do is through intentionality create an atmosphere conducive for fruitfulness. You can't make fruit happen. You can be intentional about the process of fruitfulness, but fruit ultimately is through the grace of the Lord. But I've got good news for you. That being said, he is so eager and ready for us to experience that fruit because he wants to see us all fruitful. Amen. So as I was pondering that, I thought, well, my default was let's go through each fruit. 
I mean, we could probably end up teaching for two months. You could take one fruit per Sunday and just teach on it. We might do that later in the year. But I still want to look, to look at some real practicality for how, like I said, we're going to use this phrase a lot, how to be intentional about creating an environment conducive for fruitfulness. If I can get you to think this way, like a greenhouse, right? So right now, here in South Carolina, at the start of a year, it's cold outside. So there are certain plants, no matter how... Uh, no matter how much you plan and how much work you do, if you plant it, it will not live, no matter what. Like right now is not the time to be planting watermelon. Right now is not the time to be expecting fresh strawberries. Now, again, I know we live in an amazing day and age where I can still go to the grocery store and buy strawberries right now. But are you like me? Have you noticed strawberries in January just don't taste anything like strawberries in July? Why? Because they're not in season. Now, there are places around the world that grow, stra grow strawberries all year round, but then they have to pick them when they're not ripe. I know I'm boring you guys right now. Pick them when they're not ripe, put them in containers, fly them or ship them across oceans to get to us, and then they're ripe on the shelf. That's not how fruit's meant to be enjoyed. Not actually. Now, I, I've been privileged to travel many places around the world, and one of the places I've gone the most is Central America, and it really is like the Fertile Crescent. They, the, when they have fruit there, they always have it. It grows there all the time. That's where, I mean, they're, they're growing pineapples down there. They're growing melons all the time. I mean, some of the sweetest, most succulent fruit. And when you eat it from there, you're like, what? what where can I get this back home? Oh, you can't. It's just, it's not going to happen. Right? This is not what happened. Now, again, here in the South, we enjoy, I don't know why I'm talking about fruit, right? but I guess I'm hungry, uh, uh, but watermelon, strawberries, peaches. And when it's time for them to be enjoyed, I mean, you, I'm ready. Anybody with me? Apple season, I'm there. Even corn season, man. I love when there's fresh corn on the cob in season. What point am I trying to make here? <laughs> Okay, so if you plant out of season, it's not going to grow no matter what. But if you create an environment conducive for it, you can grow strawberries in a greenhouse in January. Are y'all hearing me right now? Because what did you do? You created an environment that would allow it to be fruitful out of season. So what do we need to do? We need to be intentional about the environment. And so as I was thinking about this, praying about it, I could not get away from Romans chapter 12. So for the next two Sundays, today and next Sunday, we're going to talk about Romans 12. And today it's going to be brief because we, we just took our time today and we've had a great time here together, praying and worshiping and sharing some exciting things going on. But I want to read Romans 12, and we're going to go verse by verse. We're going to take our time. This might end up being three Sundays. I don't know. But I just want to talk to you a little bit. I want to set this up for you. So first, this is Romans. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And he is communicating to... I mean, you're talking about a... Not only is it... I mean, definitely a Gentile church. We get that. Most of the churches that Paul built were Gentile. But this is like as far removed as you would think Christian culture would be removed from, would be the church of Rome. Because this is the place that was ground zero 
for some of the worst Christian persecution in human history. This is the place where, not, I know there are kids here, but where Christians were martyred, were fed to lions, were, were lamps on the street. Their bodies would be hung up and burned. And Paul is doing what? He is instructing a church in Rome how to be church. How to be church. And so I would encourage you all, if you can read Romans with that lens, it is so interesting what Paul is, is trying to produce and the, the, the move, the, the community he's trying to steer and direct. But to get to Romans 12, I believe this is so connected to what I'm talking about, 2023 being a year of fruitfulness. So here we go. Let's start in verse 1. Here's Paul. And he's, again, he's talking to the church in Rome. He's not talking to us necessarily, but we can certainly reap some real wisdom from these principles. So, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship Pause right there. This means something very specific to the Romans. Okay? Now, sacrificial language is not unique to the Romans because we see it all throughout the experience of the nation of Israel. Now, <laughs> if you go and study it deeply, you understand it wasn't something God demanded of Israel. It's something Israel projected on God. Israel believed because other Nations practice sacrificial worship, then the one true God must also practice sacrificial worship. But you find out later, you have to keep reading, you get into Jeremiah and he says, the Lord says, I never instructed your fathers concerning sacrifice. Never told them to do any of that stuff in the wilderness. Whoa, well then where did they come up with it? I mean, God didn't tell them to do it. They did it. So what did God do? Because he humbles himself in their, in, in their experience, he still receives it. He still allows it. But don't mistake God allowing something in your life to be him wanting that in your life. Okay, see that right there? That'll preach right there. Hey, listen, this is happening in my life and it's all good. It must be God. Prove it. Just because it's good and just because it's there doesn't mean he wants it there. But because he's gracious and merciful, he just, all right, well, that's how you want to do this. I love you. I'm not going to control you. So let's, let's see where this goes. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Right? There is a better way. There is a better way. Instead of asking God to put his stamp of approval on our plans after we've made them, you could go to God with your plans and say, hey, show me, is this what you have? Is this, the, is this life for me? Is this your purpose? And so instead of taking the chance, you walk in with full assurance of faith. Hey, I know this is what God has called me to do. The reason most of us opt out of things that we plan for is when we get way steep in it, we realize God wasn't in it. But wouldn't you rather just before you take the first step know God's in it? Even if you don't see a way. Because that's the other thing too. We also believe because God has ordained it, it should be easy. Again, prove that. No, no, no. No. Okay. I know I'm, I'm helping somebody right now. So when he uses this verbiage, you think about the Roman church. They know all about sacrifice. They see it on a grand scale. 
They see it in the Roman Colosseum. They see it as soon as the emperor, just if he has a bad day, you know, he can take, take people to the Colosseum and, and, and they're killed for sport. Or they would worship him as if he were God. And so they would have sacrificial days where the people would sacrifice bulls and goats and just, I mean, so they were so accustomed to sacrifice. Paul starts with this. He said, well, if you consider God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. God doesn't want you to die. He doesn't need your blood spilled in the streets. Why does this mean something to them? Because their default is to fight for their right. That's what they've been modeled. For. That's, they have had this modeled for them. But he says, that's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom, you're not fighting for your rights. You live sacrificially. And, and why? In view of God's mercy. So his mercy allows me to live a sacrificial life. And then it says that life is holy and pleasing to God. And this is what he calls worship. True and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So again, we got to pause and think back. What is he saying? He just has shown them the, the tension between the pattern of the world and the pattern of the kingdom. The pattern of the world is sacrifice. The pattern of the kingdom is self-sacrifice. The pattern of the world is take your life. The pattern of the kingdom is, no, you still, you still live. You still get to live. Why? Because God's merciful. So the, the, again, the tension, the emperor is not merciful. God is mercy. So don't conform to the pattern of this world, but you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way you have thought from the moment of your birth up until now has to completely change. The kingdom of God is not about force, contrary to popular belief. I'm talking about 21st century popular belief. We still believe that John the Baptist was speaking to our day, thinking that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That is not what John the Baptist was saying. He was saying that of the old covenant system. He said, have you ever seen basically in the old covenant, the violent can take whatever they want by force. But then Jesus comes and he says, whosoever will may come. There, there's no violence, not in my standards. This is helping. And then what happens if you allow your mind to be transformed and renewed, you will then be able to test and approve what is God's will. Most of us are not confident in knowing what God's will is for us because we're not using the power of a transformed mind. We're still defaulting to our own way of trying to figure things out, or I would say relying on the strength of our own hand. And listen, I, I'm right there in the same boat. When the going gets tough, I can figure things out. I can figure out how to move money. I can figure out how to make money. I can do it quick. But you know what I started finding out more and more? It's not God's way. And the more I become proficient at figuring it out, I find myself being in the position to have to figure it out more and more. Isn't that interesting how that works? It's almost like God's like, well, son, you're, you can figure it out. So whenever you need me, you know, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I mean, I was about to change the trajectory of your life, but since you figured it out, are you Okay. I'm talking to me right now, too. <laughs> because, I mean, like, like the stuff that's happening now with Present Truth Academy, this is not in any way 
how I would have figured it out. I would have wanted supreme success year one. And just now, year four, are things finally starting to move. Why? Because the Lord said, this is what I want to do, and you just got to commit and work hard for the first four years. I don't want to do that. But that's what, that's what we did. That's what we're doing. And then he goes on to further identify God's will. Is, it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. If we want to be people who realize the fruitfulness of Holy Spirit in our lives... We must submit to the will of God. And how do we know it's his will? First of all, it's good. It's good. And, and, and I feel like sometimes I'm talking in circles like I have to define what good is. It's like we don't even know what good is anymore. <laughs> what is good? I mean, most kids in this room can define good better than a lot of us adults because we start thinking about it all. Well, what is good really? His will is good pleasing, and perfect. Perfect. When I use that word perfect, I think of lacking nothing. That's what I think of. Now, you could actually, if you want to get into the Greek, the Greek actually defines perfection and righteousness as the same thing. So when Jesus admonishes his disciples to be perfect, he's actually telling them, be righteous. And when you can grasp that and you understand your righteousness is a gift from God, and it's your identity as a beloved son and a beloved daughter of an always good father, when he says be perfect, he's saying own your sonship. Believe it. Don't let anyone talk you out of your placement in the family. Be perfect as I am perfect. Be righteous as I am righteous. That's what Jesus tells them. He's showing them, I know who I am. Know who you are. Right? Now let's continue. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Now, when we read these verses one after the other, it helps give context to some of this. Because this verse is not just a verse about humility. You have to read it within the context. First of all, you've assumed the position of being a living sacrifice. You've assumed the position of someone who uses a transformed mind to seek out the will of God, right? And then he starts talking about don't think too highly of yourself. It, when you start using the tr transformed mind, you, you shouldn't be walking in pride, right? Is that, I mean, that, that should be pretty simple. Uh, I, I had this in my notes here. Let me pull it up. Uh, let me see here. We shouldn't think of ourselves highly, more highly than we ought to think. This is the starting place for understanding and rightly orienting our thoughts and expectations about honor. If I'm thinking too much of myself, then I'm going to expect to be the honored. So what is Paul showing... Are you, again, are you seeing, I hope I'm painting this picture because I'm, I'm excited, so I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit. The Roman church, built from Roman citizenry, had this codex of honor. But the way honor was produced in their culture was by strength, power, I mean, usurping your brother, the strong survive, 
He says, you can't think of yourself that way. If you think that you deserve honor, then that's not how the culture of the kingdom works. There's other ways this thought is, is used. One of them that always comes to my mind, don't, don't assume the head of the table. Because if you do, you're probably going to be invited to the foot. But if you'll go to the foot, you might be exalted to the head. And again, it's not about trying to trick somebody. Like if you walk in proud and sit at the end of the table, you're going to stay there. But also, there's room for, for margin and all that. What if you sit at the end of the table and someone invites you to the middle? Or what if, you, what if you assume the end and you stay at the end? What matters is your heart's in the right place. That doesn't matter. You don't care. I don't care if I'm invited to the head or not. I'm just glad I'm at the table. <laughs> I also may not consider if I'm thinking, acting, or speaking in an honorable way if I'm self-centered in my thinking. It's hard to honor someone else if you feel like you deserve the honor. It's hard to praise someone else if you feel like you deserve the praise. And then, of course, the other side of that, sometimes I feel like I only want to honor people if they deserve it. Hmm. I, I'm not going to go down that one today because that, that one just takes it a little too far. You know? So I, I don't actually throw out the Ten Commandments. I don't. I, 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 I do believe that they encapsulate so much of the heart of God. But the one that gets to me so often is honor your father and mother. Because many people have this, these stories of terrible parenting, not great relationships, or no relationship at all. I have friends that lost, you know, parents very early in life and but honor, and so, I, you know, a lot of times that, you know, my dad was alcoholic. My, my mom was abusive. I, what do you mean honor them? God does, he never tells us to honor anyone that deserves it. He just says release honor. Because it says more about you than it says about them. Because if we put anyone in the position of deserving honor, we're probably never going to find a person to honor. Probably never, because we will always find a reason to be disappointed, a reason to magnify their failures. So God says, no, how about this? Just turn on that heart of honor. Because what happens with honor? Honor has this way of creating value. I've preached the message on this a couple times called Honor Creates Value. Because when you honor something, it starts to take on the value you give to it. See, for many of us who are waiting for people to act in an honorable way, when your honor will actually create value in their life. I said a mouthful there. I, I hope that this is helping somebody. Let's continue. I, we're not going to get but just another couple of verses here. I'm going to be done. So, okay. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. So, we're using sober judgment. We're not walking in pride. We're not assuming we deserve anything. We are conduits and vessels. We are releasing honor. We're, we're releasing... Um, Dignity, we're releasing value to everyone around us. And then, for just as each one of us has a body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. 
And each member belongs to all the others. Paul's right there. We lift this all out to start talking about gifts and ministry and all these things. But within context, it creates such a beautiful panoramic picture. Because he's already been addressing identity issues. Who you are as a righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who you are as a living sacrifice. Who you are as someone you want to see value established and raised up in the people that you encounter. And then he starts going into the function of local church community. So every local faith community has these kinds of people present. Should anyway, if we want an environment conducive for fruitfulness, we ought to, each one of us, should take our own temperature and see, is this what I am living? Is this what I'm living? Because he immediately starts talking about our function within the corporate environment. But first, he, he builds up our individual identity first. So now as a body, and I would say a healthy body, we start working together. And then verse 6, this is the one we all know, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. These make sense when you understand the kind of people Paul's expecting this to come from. Okay, let's back up and then we're going to be finished. We'll jump into verse 9 next Sunday. Verse 9 is... It's explosive. When the start of the verse says love must be sincere, it's explosive. So let's back up. Paul says, okay, the way that we win in the kingdom is not by killing others, it's by dying to self. What does death to self looks like? You're still alive unto God. How do we know that you're alive unto God? You use the power of a transformed mind to seek out his will. How do I know it's his will? Because it's good, it's pleasing. It's perfect. Okay, so then we continue. We understand this lifestyle is a lifestyle of true worship. You can turn on the greatest worship song that's ever been composed by men. It will pale in comparison to an individual life of worship, as we see Paul talking about right here. So then he goes on. The people that live with transformed mind, they're not proud. They honor others. They don't expect to be honored they know who they are in the corporate environment. Man, could, could you imagine the churches that desperately need to hear this right now? The leadership teams that need to hear this. Okay, we want to serve the people, but I need respect. I need them to know the, the path that I have you know, I pastored for 20 years. Who do you think you are? And we're, we're trying to produce something, and we're not living the life that lines up with the fruit. I mean, it is so interesting how subtle a lifestyle of demand can be. I deserve this. I've given my life for this. Can I be just perfectly transparent with you? There's some times I've thought that in the last couple of years. God, I've given my life for this. 
I thought I'd see a little more. And, and then the Lord's like, you just need to calm down for a second and tap into my good and perfect will for a second. Because right now your will's not looking like mine. Chill. Okay, it's hard. I know it's hard. It's okay. It's going to be all right. Do you trust me? Oh, don't ask me that. Please. And so, have you, okay, so again, the connection. He makes this demand. He's like, if this is who you are, whatever you're gifted to do, do it. Because God can trust you. Just, just go for it. So if you know you're gifted to prophesy, go for it. And, and God, this is, the kind, this is the kind of people every leader is looking for. Right? I'm not, I'm not just looking for people that can prophesy. Because as a prophetic house, we, I know a lot of prophetic people. There's a lot of them I don't really want them to prophesy. Is that, that sounds bad, doesn't it? Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? Because there are some, what, what my dad used to call sure strings. There are some people, it doesn't matter when you called on them, it doesn't matter who you put them in front of, they would release the word of God and it would bring life, it would bring hope, it would bring encouragement, it would bring transformation. That, I have to believe, based on what I'm sharing here, is not by accident. If your gift is prophecy, well then prophesy. But connected to what? Knowing who you are as the righteousness of God, knowing who you are as a living sacrifice, knowing who you are as you tap into my good, perfect, pleasing will. Come on, knowing that you don't deserve anything. You don't, you don't expect anything. You're just a humble servant in a local environment of believers who is taking a step of faith to see God move. Sure streams. There are people right now, I could text or call, and I know I get the word of the Lord. There are people I would not text or call. Just being, just being honest. Not saying they don't have a gift and a flow, but just saying you don't know what may come out. Is that, that fair? Is it okay? What is that? What is it? Yeah, what, what stream is it coming from? Because I, I want the stream of the Lord. I don't even want the stream of positive thinking. Right? I, I love that you've got hope for me. But I need to hear something greater than hope. Sometimes. The voice of the Lord is greater than hope itself. Come on, that's the, He is the substance of hope. Right? I, I feel like I'm talking in circles. We've got to wind this down. So if you're going to serve, serve. Because I can trust you to serve. Why? Because I know what you're made of. I know what your pursuits are. You're being intentional about this. If it's teaching, teach. That, that does not mean, and, and I feel like, and I've heard this many times, that's why I say it. Dominion, we have, we've earned this reputation. I don't want to say earn it. There, there's this reputation that has been projected on us. That because we're a deep house, in Revelation, that you need to bring a deep word or it won't be received. No, no, no. I'm not worried about the depth of your word. I just want to make sure that you teach from a place of the character and nature of God. Sometimes, I remember when we were first doing prophetic training. Some of the first prophetic words I have is God loves you. And it was as sincere as I could hear from God. Now, is that a heavy, heavy revelatory word? No. But I believe it was purely born from the heart of God. Some of us, let's just be honest, we don't need to learn anything new. 
We just need to be convicted by what we know. And sometimes a teacher can come and say things in just the right way that it reawakens a truth you had forgotten and causes it to transform your life. So if you're gifted to teach, teach. If you carry the gift of encouragement, encourage. Man, can I tell you, man, they're, they're, I love an encourager. I do. I need to be a better encourager. Do you know people that when you get around them, you feel like you conquer the world just because they're cheering you on? Just because they're cheering you on. I, I have people in my life that, that encourage me that way. They do. They're, you know, you just reach out and you're kind of having a bad day, and man, they'll turn it around so quick. And not just with words. They'll encourage you financially. Come on. Kind of put their money where their mouth is. Hey, I believe in you. Here's a seed. And you're like, whoa, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe they're taking this more seriously than I am. Right? If it's giving, give generously. I have heard, Dan, maybe some of you, I don't know if I've heard two messages on the gift of giving. <laughs> I mean, I know I've heard plenty of teaching on giving. But Paul identifies there's actually a gift of giving. And if you know you have it, be generous. I, I, I want to hear this message. I want to hear this message. What, is it, what does it sound like? What does it look like? The gift of giving. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. I need to hear that. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All this makes sense when you realize where it's coming from. When you know who you are. These things no longer become effort. These things start looking like the fruit of a life that is convinced of who they are in God. And not only convinced of who they are, but they think his thoughts. They pursue his will. And, and, and it, it, it resonates with, with the sound of, that Jesus makes. Not my will, but yours be done. I think most of us are afraid to pray that because we assume that means it's going to take us to the cross. And in some measure, it may indeed. Not a literal cross, but there's other ways to die, and we all know this. I'm not even talking about the flesh. I'm talking about while we're yet living. There are plenty of ways to die. Giving up my way feels a little bit like being crucified. Preferring others, honoring others, being patient with others feels like dying. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm just being honest right now. Doesn't it feel like dying sometimes? When you just want to give them a piece of your mind and God's like, don't you do it. First of all, your mind's not going to help them. Just bless them. Speak favor over them. Oh, God, if, if they only knew what I was thinking, well, it's a good thing they don't. Just go ahead and release my goodness. <laughs> We're going to have to stop there. Uh, we'll, we'll pick back up right in the middle of that. We'll pick up on verse 9. So, so this message, uh, I, I, I believe, what do we call it? I think it's called the Romans 12 kind of life. <laughs> yeah, the Romans 12 kind of life. And we'll, we'll pick back up on this next Sunday.
All right, well, Lord, we just thank you for, for this time today. Lord, I thank you for your word for this year that this is a year of fruitfulness. And show us what that means. Lord, I want to bear fruit. I, I want to see the potential that you've placed in me realized. Can you hear the voice of a father say, okay, well, son, well, well then there's some things here we're going to work on. Because I want what you want. I, I, want, I want to see you fruitful. I, you have that potential. You are, a, you are a branch of the true vine. It's time, son. It's time, daughter. And, and it's time for not only for you to produce for you, but others are going to come and they're going to draw from you. They're going to taste and see that I'm good because you know that this, this can't just be about you, right? You know that. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and when, when a few of us can get together, when, when five, ten of us can get together, and, and as a community, we live just like this, it changes things. It changes lives. I believe it with all my heart. And so, Lord, as, as your word is the year of fruitfulness, Lord, let us experience that fruit. Let us do what we must do to be intentional about producing an environment conducive for fruitfulness. I want it to count. I, 44, I, I'm, I just don't want to play more games. There's, there's still so much I want to see and realize and enjoy. Promises I want to lay hold of. But gifts can't get me there fruit does. I sort of help you, each one of us, help each one of us realize that in a, in a fresh and profound way. Lord, I thank you for all these things now to create them by faith in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you again so much. Facebook, YouTube, podcast. Again, like and share it. Help us get this out in front of as many people as possible. And then come visit us. Be a part of what we're doing here. One o'clock p.m. on Sundays at the historic Taylor Mill. All right, God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next time for our next session on this. Bless you.